on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Foley. Well, the narrative is mostly the same, although it looks a little bit different this afternoon. The Brewers end up losing to the Padres 6-4. With the loss, they lose 3-4 of in the series against San Diego. They also lose the season series to the Padres, which could end up playing a role when it comes to uh, the postseason if these two teams are real close to each other, uh, if there's any tiebreakers needed. But more than anything else, what we know about this team is They need an off day, and they need their roster to be more complete than it is right now. A lot of teams deal with injuries. I guess it kind of sounds like I'm using injuries as an excuse. The bottom line is that, once again, this team had three players who are a big part of their run producing not available today, like it's been the last couple days. And uh, even beyond that, uh, even when Luis Urias was in the lineup and we're just talking about Willie Adamas and Hunter Renfro, this team just has not looked right from an offensive uh, standpoint as those two guys have been in. Injured, and we'll see if things pick up again once they're back. They are expected to be back on Tuesday. If you'd like to join the program, we'll take you to around 6 o'clock or so, maybe a little bit after. If you want to join us between now and then, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Former Brewer Vinny Rotino. He will join us coming up in just a little bit. Uh, We'll hear from manager Craig Council. We'll go back through the game with the highlights and we'll try to figure out what the heck is going on with this Brewers team right now as they continue to have a hard time uh, finding wins here at the moment and uh, scoring many runs. They were held to just one run through the first seven innings until they were able to uh, get a two-run home run, a big two-run home run from Colton Wong in the eighth inning, but that doesn't turn into uh, a win because the Padres score three runs in the top of the tenth and the Brewers only get one run in the bottom. All right, we've got a lot to get into. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk text line 855-616-1620 or tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We're back with more in a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. Here's the 1-1. Ground ball sharply hit to third. Machado to second for one on to first in time and the Padres are going to win in 10 innings here this afternoon. Yeah, that's how it finished off the Brewers. They lose to the Padres 6 4 the final. Brewers extra innings continues here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley coming your way from American Family Field. Let's bring in former Brewer and Valley Sports Wisconsin analyst Vinny Rotino. And Vinny, it looks better just in the sense that they score the four runs on eight hits. But if you really dive into this one, after they get the home run from Colton Wong there in the first inning, the, the bats just go completely quiet, no extra base hits in innings two through seven, just a couple hits in there until they get another Colton Wong home run in the eighth. So the overall output looks a bit, a bit, a little bit better, but the, the story remains the same. This is still a group that is really struggling offensively. Yeah, I mean, they just cannot seem to put it together. They can't seem to put a big inning together. I, uh, you know, at this point, I think 
yes, the day off will do them well, but it, you know, you and I both have talked about this a ton. They've got to get healthy. They've got to get those big bats back into the lineup. Willie Adamas is a big bat. I mean, this guy hits bombs. He hits them to all fields. He's a dangerous bat in the lineup. Same thing with Hunter Renfro. I mean, it is the situation that they're dealing with that they're not in the lineup right now. Um, which doesn't help really analyzing and talking about this game because, yes, they should have been able to – I don't know. Nick Martinez looks good, right? He comes back from Japan and he's dot, you know, he's dotting the ball up uh, in different quadrants. But at the same time, like, you got to try and take advantage of some of those hanging change-ups that he threw. Um, they just couldn't do it. And, again, it's hitting is so contagious and not hitting is so contagious as well, and that's what's going on with this team right now. I felt like they left Mike Clevenger off the hook because coming into this game, we knew it was going to be a short leash for him. He's coming off injury. He's not going to have a long day. If you can have a if you can have a nice long inning against him, if you can force him to throw a ton of pitches, all of a sudden it's in his head. How long am I going to be in this? You know, obviously, Wong hits the home run, but they don't do much else. They strike out five times against him. I just I felt like. And he threw 60 pitches in three innings, so that's that's not a, a small number. But I just I that's the guy for me. I know you just mentioned Nick Martinez. For me, it felt like this was the opportunity to get after Clevenger. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, 36 strikes only he threw, right? So he's he's behind on a lot of account in a lot of counts, and they just couldn't take advantage of it. They didn't get that big hit, that big swing, uh, in order to really put him on the ropes. Like you said, he's coming off injury. That's not a comfortable feeling for pitchers once they're kind of coming back from injury. I know they had some rehab starts, but you're just a little uneasy as to how your arm's going to feel and how your stuff's going to play. And you're, you're right, they, they just didn't do anything other than that home run. Yeah, it's uh, th- that's kind of where it looks for you know really looks for me. Let's talk about Colton Wong though. I mean, he hits the two home runs. He has the leadoff home run. This is a guy who has been scuffling a little bit today. And there were some nice offensive performances. Andrew McCutcheon goes three for five. How about Pablo Reyes coming up with a couple hits after he broke up uh, the, uh, the 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 no hitter in the third inning? Uh, what was it yesterday? So uh, the, again, the it's not a lot better, but we can certainly find some better offensive numbers in this box score today. Yeah, I think it's interesting how. Uh, Craig Council consistently, I mean, almost every time that he gets asked about offense, he talks about one, he talks about, you know, you you want to have a guy or two be really hot in your lineup. That's number one. And two, you want to get that next big hit, right? And so, obviously, the Brewers have had just one guy really just do the damage today. I know McCutcheon did get the three hits, and then the you know Reyes had a couple infield hits too. But, like, again, you just you want to have a couple of guys that are just steaming red hot, and then they can kind of carry your offense. Or you put a bunch of really, you know, quality at bats together you get guys on base and then someone gets that big hit um that's what you thought you got today in Colton Wong but there just wasn't really anybody else that was doing damage and and coming up with that next big hit a text message from the 920 says time to give Bryce Terang a shot if there's another vacancy at shortstop Mike Brusso and Pablo Reyes have shown they cannot handle the position defensively I, I've heard that before, that one of the games earlier this year where Brasso started at shortstop and, and did not have a good day, I got text messages about Bryce Terang. I feel like when people text about Terang, Vinny, and feel free to disagree with me on this, but I feel like you're really being a prisoner of the moment because we're talking about, you know, Luis 
Arias is going to miss a few days. Willie Adamas is going to be back soon. Mike Brasso getting a, a one-off day at shortstop. Pablo Reyes getting uh, a two-off day at shortstop. For me, that's not enough of a reason to go make the roster move, start the clock, like all the business of baseball stuff that would go along with a promotion of Bryce Terang. When he's here, he's got to be here and, and, and be here legitimately. He's not a guy you bring up as a Band-Aid. Yeah, he's definitely not a Band-Aid. This guy, for me, is the future somewhere either second or short. I mean, he could play. He could definitely play short. Obviously, it just depends on if Willie Adamas is the long-term solution at shortstop. Um, he is under control for a couple more years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I really like Bryce Terang. He's not a guy that you're going to really want to mess with, like, you definitely want to get his feet wet in the big leagues. That's more for September. He's got to be protected on the roster this offseason anyway. So you probably want to bring him up in September and then not option him down. You know, he's probably a guy that will never run out of options anyway. So you, so options don't necessarily mean anything, but you probably don't want to burn an option either, and you don't want to shuttle him back and forth. He's having a nice year in AAA. He's cooled off a little bit lately, but it's 276. It's a it's a 707 OPS. You do want to see a little bit more power production from him and just get him a bunch of at bats at that at that highest level of the minor leagues, just a, a full season. I know that 2020 kind of really messed with a lot of those guys and their development. So I'm comfortable with having him stay in AAA all year. And like you said, he's not really a band-aid unless he really forced their hand and was like hitting, you know, just t- absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. There's nothing left he can do in the minor leagues. I still think there's some development here generally speaking the way you handle a prospect getting up and this isn't a 100 percent of the time thing but you do limit time at AAA for a lot of prospects so you maybe you see a guy who's in double a he finishes out the season at triple a and then he's got a chance to make the big league roster the next year or if he's it doesn't have triple a time you start a guy at triple a you let him play most of the season there and you let him get his taste of the big leagues at the end of the season like you're talking about with bryce terang you mentioned the option the last thing major league organizations ever want to do is to shuttle up and down between the big leagues and AAA. So it's almost like you're trying to limit time at AAA. You're trying to get the development process to a certain point by the time they're done at AA, but you don't want them at the big leagues until you can be sure that they can stay there. Yeah, no, that's a really good assessment of it. And, and again, with him – there is still some development that that needs to be done at the AAA level. And then once you get to the big leagues, there is a big development curve that happens. That's that's what people forget. Like players don't stop developing once they get to the big leagues. That is the most important time to develop is to probably struggle a little bit at the major league level, learn how to bounce back, learn how to adjust to the league who is adjusting to you, which doesn't necessarily happen that often in AAA, believe it or not. There's very rudimentary scouting reports on players and how to get guys out. And you just don't play them as often as you play some teams in your division that are really going to have the book out on you. So, um, I would say that yeah, you definitely want to be careful in, in, in bringing guys up too quick. And I think Bryce Terang's in that category because, again, it's it's not like he's absolutely totally tearing the cover off the ball um, and, and just like this is a waste of his time to be in the minor league. So, so he, he's got some development left. 855-616-1620, the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. More text and tweets uh, with myself and Vinny coming up in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. 
It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. 3-2 pitch. Ground ball sharply hit. Diving stop by Peterson. Throws from his knees. Dug out by Telez. What a play by Jace Peterson. Getting to the ball and then making a throw across the diamond. 6-4, the Brewers lose to the Padres today in 10 innings. They lose 3-4 of four in the series, and they end up losing the season series against San Diego. My name is Matt Pauley at American Family Field. Vinny Rotino joining us as well. Vinny, I've gotten a lot of text messages and tweets about Josh Hader. I'll, just, I'll read a couple of them. I've got a bunch more from the 414. Why use Hader in the ninth in a tie game knowing we have nobody to trust in extra innings? We get out of the ninth the way the offense is going. Going to extras would be more of a chance to win with the runner on second. A text message from the 715. Why does Craig Council never let Josh Hader pitch more than one inning? With the extra inning rule, even a ground ball or a right field fly out advances the runner to third with one out, making the chance of scoring very high. Being that he's a strikeout pitcher, if he pitched the tenth, we probably would, uh, would have one. So, First off, yeah, like Josh Hader fits into the extra inning rules fantastically well. I'm not going to argue with that at all. That, that, that's a very true thing. But, Vinny, a couple responses to this. First off, the one-inning thing, the Brewers were bored. Like, and this is going to sound like a criticism of them. It's really not. The Brewers were borderline reckless in the way you, they used Josh Hader early on in his career, where he'd, he'd be going and getting eight outs one day and then have to sit out for three days, and they're checking on him every day. How does your arm feel today? How does your arm feel today? Like, you never knew uh, going into a game, unless he hadn't pitched in a few days, if he was going to be available that day. And he was an incredible weapon when they used him that way, but you just you didn't always have him. And they made the decision a couple years ago that he is going to be the conventional Ninth inning, one inning, closer. He's going to throw one inning and nothing more than that. And he has turned into arguably the most dominant relief pitcher walking the face of the earth right now. So I always kind of take issue with people that want to see him pitch more than one inning. And I know they want to see him do that because of how he was used earlier in his career. But why are we trying to mess with something that's working? He is so good. And part of him being so good is that he never pitches that second inning. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's something. I love your point, Matt. Your that's perfectly articulated about the fact that like they've unlocked this incredible weapon, and I know that some of it has to do with pitch usage and the development of the slider and in the implementation of the changeup as well. But they've unlocked a weapon that no other team has and and no other team has had in the last decade, you could argue, right? Since Mariano Rivera, where it was like an absolute lockdown, shutdown, closer. Now someone will say, well, Mariano Rivera used to throw two innings too. Well, okay. In the playoffs, right? He would. So I, I think you may see a Josh Hader throw multiple innings like game sevens of the NLCS or the world series or something like that. But yeah, people forget too. when Josh Hader got hit in the past, he would get hit because his fastball velo was under like, I think the number was like 95, Uh, it was 94, 95 miles an hour. He would get hit his fastball. It just flat out doesn't play at that velocity as well. And when they were throwing him out there, he threw a couple times. I'm looking in 2018 in a three-inning stint. I, you had to sit him for three, four days in order for that velo to be able to bounce back. So that is the reason uh, that's perfectly articulated by you. Yeah, 
if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's really not broke. I love the point, though, about the 10th inning. I, I, that is a really interesting strategy that, like, okay, throw – you know, throw Trevor got in the ninth mm-hmm. with a clean inning and then go ahead and put Hader out there with a, with a runner on second. I'm not sure actually why council didn't think of that or, or do that. Maybe I, I guess he assumed that the, the team would maybe scrape across a run in the bottom of the ninth. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, you could throw Trevor got certainly there. I, I, I was comfortable with Trevor got in the 10th as well. I, he's pitched really well. It's just a tough spot really for any pitcher other than Josh Hader. <laughs> Yeah, conventionally, like the the old conventional rules of baseball when you were headed to extra innings is once you got to the ninth inning, you turned your bullpen over. So whatever high leverage guys you still had available, you go in opposite order. So if like today, Hayter and Williams and Boxberger all would have been available. Hayter the ninth, Boxberger uh, the tenth, uh, or Williams the tenth, Boxberger the eleventh. You just switch it. Like that's the old conventional right. way of handling extra innings. But I do think it's worth a second look. As long as the runner is starting at second, do you place more value upon having strikeout pitchers available in those extra innings? And I guess the argument to that is, well, you got to get to the 10th first. You can't guarantee yourself that you're going to put up that zero in the ninth. That being said, having a hater available in the 10th would obviously be a big bonus for this team. You got to get to the 10th, but remember, Josh Hader really, he hasn't thrown in a non-save situation all year long, right? I mean, he's 18 for 18 in save situations. Check me on that. I think that that's right. And yeah, so this is his th- first non-save situation he was pitching he, in. Yeah, so, okay, so so it would make sense that got because it's a non-save situation, would, would enter the game right there. I know that they were trying to get the leverage guys work. Uh, I I think maybe just counts didn't necessarily think of that scenario. Perhaps I, it, it, it'd be hard to believe because he thinks of everything and he's always thinking 10 steps ahead of, of everybody else. But I think he had it so locked in in his head box. I'm going to get these guys work no matter what the score is. Box is throwing the seventh Williams, eighth hater, the ninth. But I think he had to adjust that. Maybe throw got in the, in the ninth and then hater in the 10th, because frankly, I thought I thought Gott would have been able to get through that those three hitters fairly easily. Um, it's the tough tough spot to to get through three outs without a run scoring with that runner on second base. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, Keston here today, zero for two. He draws a couple walks though, Vinny, and he had a he had a big walk in a big moment uh, as well when when they were trying to put some pressure uh, on the pitcher. Again, we're not gonna we're not gonna glorify an zero for two day, but it's a whole lot better than the zero for four and four strikeouts we saw yesterday. Yeah, you know, here's the thing about Keston. We talked we touched a little bit on this last time or yesterday. Is that Keston? I think he's really going to struggle on days like this when nobody else in the lineup is hitting, right? So that's when we talk about all the time how the pitcher settles in, they can execute. There's like, okay, no one's really giving me a tough at bat, really low stress pitches that the pitchers are executing. And then Keston, quite frankly, it's just he's going to have a tough time hitting when pitchers aren't making mistakes. So what, you, what you're going to see with Keston is when the lineup is hitting, putting a lot of runners on base, a lot of runners in scoring position, that equals stressful pitchers for, pitches for the opposing pitcher. And that's when Keston, we've seen, is going to start hitting again. Um, and so he, he's really just at the mercy of that, I think. Uh, it, it's hard to – yeah, he had a couple of walks today, but he's just got to – 
get that mistake, and once he gets that mistake, he can't miss it because he quite, it, it's hard for him to, to really handle much else. I mean, he's, he's got some holes in that swing, but when he gets that mistake, he really does damage. All right, Vinny, good stuff as always. Enjoy the off day, a much-needed off day for everybody, and we'll talk later on in the week. Sounds good, Matt. We'll talk to you later. All right, that's Vinny Rettino. We'll continue to uh, get through some text messages, some phone calls, and some tweets. Stick with us. Brewers lose today to San Diego 6-4. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Falling. Base hit to right. And the Padres are going to have the lead. The throw going to third. And in there is Profar. As Okar scores the second run for San Diego. 6-4. Brewers lose to San Diego in 10 innings. Lose 3 of 4 in the series. Welcome back in. Brewers extra innings continues here on WTMJ. The post-game comments of manager Craig Council in less than 10 minutes. After that, we'll go back through the game with the highlights. If you want to join us, AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line available 855-616-1620. Let's grab Pete in Grafton. Hey, Pete, thanks for the call. You're on WTMJ. Hey, man, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I'm an old guy, 61 years old, obviously not a hitting coach by any means, but uh, watching Yelich, I played a lot of ball and a lot of watching. I don't understand how they can't see, in my opinion, change his stride. Everything I see, his right foot, if you watch, is heading toward first base, which my dad used to call stepping in the bucket, which is causing him be off balance and lean backwards, and therefore he's topping the ball all the time. Now, obviously, these guys are way more smarter than way smarter than me. They had to see this, but if you watch, he is not stepping toward the pitcher. He's stepping toward first base. Now, the only guy I can think of that got away with that was Ryan Sandberg back in the day. He would step in the bucket all the time. So I don't get it. Do you see that too? Do you see how his stride is? Yeah, P, I, I appreciate the. You bet. I appreciate the phone call. I see a lot of stuff, and I feel like it's changing. Uh, you can, you know, there's been some videos out there where you see, you know, one day he looks like the guy he, you know, his swing is exactly the same as 2018, and then the next day, uh, kind of like what you're describing. I'm not the right guy to sit here and break down a swing. That's not, uh, that's not my specialty. Maybe I should have let Vinny stay on for another segment, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk. We'll try to. I'll bring that up to Vinny coming up later on this week. We've done that. Like the bottom line right now on Yelich is. He's not hitting. He doesn't look good at the plate. He looks incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, um, Craig Council talked about this recently when uh, when McCutcheon had the game-winning hit the other day to end the 0 for 32. And Council talked about it in his press conference that day, and then he brought it up again during his pregame conversation with uh, with Uke the next day about just the mental like. Anguish, for lack of a better term, and I don't think he used that term. That's a that's a me term, not a council term. But you'll get where I'm going with this: the mental anguish that goes along with being in a slump, where it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And for a while, you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing, but there are zero results. So then you start doing other things, and then you you start getting into bad habits and 
Yelich's swing does not look good right now. He's not making good contact. I think our caller, Pete, made a really good point about kind of what I would say is that he doesn't look completely squared up. That's how I wouldn't have gone into as quite as much detail as Pete does. But uh, he does not look really squared up when – and it doesn't look like his body is working in concert together. I guess that's that would be my amateur – evaluation of what's going on like it just those those beautiful amazing swings it's like every muscle in the body is working together to create something and when Yelich was at his best that would be a really good way to describe what was going on with his swing that is not how we would describe what's going on with his swing right now he doesn't have a hit in the month of June and now, look, it's not a huge sample size. He's played four games in the month of June. But in the month of June, he's 0 for 13 with six strikeouts and three walks. And two of the three walks came on June 1st in his first game of the month. That was, that, uh, that was the game against the Cubs in the series finale when he went 0 for 2 with two walks. So one of the things we've been saying about Yelich through his struggles of the last couple of years, you've heard me say it a million times. Well, at least he's still getting on base. Like you want him to do more. You're paying him to do more. You need him to do more. But at the very least, he's getting on base. He's not getting on base right now. So, <laughs> I don't. am I overstating things? Maybe I shouldn't say what I'm about to say. I'm going to say it. We have seen really tough stretches from Christian Yelich in the last two-plus years, the last two years plus the first two months this year. Right now, like month of June, so we're talking last four games, and this so tiny sample size, and I'm being a prisoner of the moment, but I, this might be the worst that we've seen from him in, in, in the last two-plus years. Like, it's just, it's not good. It is not good right now from Yelich, and he has had some really good moments this year, and it looked like he had turned it around, uh, but it's not there right now, and what we need to figure out is whether or not like this is still this continuation of this last two plus years, or if it's more about just he's in a slump right now and he's guys go through slumps and who he was earlier in the year when he was hitting in the mid two fifties and he had an OPS above eight hundred. Uh, you go back to May eleventh, he was hitting two sixty. Uh, he had an eight thirty eight OPS. You get give me that Christian Yelich and we're good. Like, that's, that's the Christian Yelich that the Brewers need. It'd be great to get MVP Christian Yelich, but you don't need MVP Christian Yelich. What you need is the guy he was in the middle of May, and he's not that right now. 855-616-1620, the Yankee and Mortgage Talk. A text line, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. We'll hear from Manager Craig Council next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. 6-4, Brewers lose to the Padres today in 10 innings. Welcome back in. Manager Craig Council spent some time speaking with the media just a little while ago and off, uh, opened up about uh, the struggles, especially offensively, that his team continues to have. No, I mean, I think that's right. It was, it's been quiet for sure. Um, we're just in a little stretch where we're, uh, you know, we're not getting much going. Do you see help coming? Do Willie's back? We saw Renfro... Um, I mean, we're getting healthier, yes. Yeah. Do you anticipate both of those guys on Tuesday? Uh, we're going to take through the off day and make sure uh, everything goes well, and then, then we'll, we'll see what that brings. 
Does any of these last couple of games have to do in terms of offensively, just being at the end of this stretch and, and being tired? No, I mean, no, I mean, I think we, you're going to go through stretches of the season where you're, we just got some guys that aren't swinging the bat well. Um, you know, we're, we're missing, we got some guys banged up. Um, and that, that's kind of changed who's been playing a little bit, but um, it doesn't, you know, everybody's everybody's got a 162 game schedule with with no off days and all that stuff so it's not an excuse Craig with Hader having a low pitch count on the first inning is there any threshold where, where you consider a second inning with him no not right now meaning this early in the year but I didn't consider it today What you think of Eric's day? Kind of yeah, I mean, look, the, the three-run inning was, you know, there wasn't a lot there. Um, you know, I, I thought he kind of, he pitched his way through it today um, and, and did a nice job of it. And, and unfortunately, just kind of one of those innings, probably the, you know, the, the, the ball to Grisham was the double that gets it started, and then we make a defensive mistake. And then after that, it's, you know, it's, it's a bloop and a, and a weak ground ball that kind of gets him the run. So Eric pitched the run, the, the inning he gave up runs, you know, maybe one pitch he wants back, really. Their second pitcher did a nice job, too, didn't he? And just kind of... Yeah, we, I mean, he did a nice job, and fortunately, we, we didn't get him in the stretch. We got him in the stretch, and then we got a big hit. So, um, but yeah, he, he definitely he got him got him into the game for sure. Was it good to see Colton just kind of have that breakout game? Well, look, I think you know a, a good offense. Kind of, you're not going to have eight guys kind of locked in and swinging the bats well. Maybe rarely. A, times of the season you will so you know guys take turns and Colton Colton kind of single-handedly kept us in the game a little today um you know we do we just we don't have enough guys swinging the bat well right now and or, or we're not getting that next hit um to to, to move the line along and so yeah, but but obviously a great day from Colton what will tomorrow do for this group after this stretch I know you said it's part of the schedule and all that but it's 18 games in 17 days yeah, I mean, it's a uh, look. I mean, I think everybody's looking forward to an off day, um, and then that I don't I don't think that changes no matter what most most times of the year. But um, you know, like I said, we're getting healthier, um, and 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 just a day for everybody to to kind of get away from it. Frankly, is is good. Yeah, can that off day just help reset mentally as well? Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, I think getting away from it is part of it. Um, everybody tries to do that for sure. Um, and and it, that helps for sure. There's clearly a lot of value in tomorrow's off day. I don't think it can be overstated, though. The value of tomorrow's off day is you don't play and it gets you into Tuesday where you should have Willie Adamas back. You'll probably have Hunter Renfro back, and you might have Luis Urias back. Like, we're, there's all this consternation about this team's offense and and I guess rightfully so in the sense that they're not scoring runs but not rightfully so in the sense that they've got a shell of their lineup out there it's it's really tough for me to like uh, evaluate this team on a long-term basis like make any sort of wide-ranging, all-encompassing statements about this team when this is the lineup that's out there we can talk about the moment in the moment 
they're not playing well. In the moment, they're not scoring runs. And while Craig Council's going to tell you it's not an excuse to use injuries and not having players available, the bottom line is they're, they don't have many of the players that they rely on to help produce runs in the lineup. That is going to result in not as many runs being scored. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're going back to the game with the highlights. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get out of here! Go! Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Foley. A 6-4, 10-inning win for the Padres over the Brewers today. Pitching matchup, Eric Lauer, the former Padre, starting for the Brewers, while Mike Clevenger gets the start for the Padres. The Brewers, they strike first. Bottom of the first inning, the leadoff man, Colton Wong, at the plate. Clevenger deals again. Colton Wong to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone for Colton Wong! Lead-off home run for Colton Wong, something he's done a few times in his career, and the Brewers jump out to the 1-0 lead. Eric Lauer puts up a zero in the first, in the second, in the third inning. He does give up a hit to uh, Jose Azokar, who would move to second on a balk. Two outs in the inning, and it's Manny Machado at the plate. Machado 0-for-1 today in the pitch. Get on the line out to right center field, but Tyrone Taylor moving over into his left is there to make the catch and retire the side. Yeah, so the Padres, uh, they end up uh, the, uh, stranding two because there was a Jake Cronenworth walk in there as well. So two left on for the Padres in the third inning. It remains a one nothing lead for the Brewers. In the fourth inning, saw some pretty good defense. There was one on and two outs. Uh, top of the fourth, Austin Nola at the plate. Lauer comes set. The one-two pitch. Lined into the glove of a leaping Jace Peterson. How is he playing some defense at the hot corner today? Jace Peterson has his own highlight reel today defensively. So it remains 1-0 as we move along into the fifth inning. In the bottom of the fourth, Nick Martinez came in to pitch for the Padres, put up a zero. Things would go a little wild in the top of the fifth. Trent Grisham leads the inning off by hitting a ground rule double. At that point, uh, Jose Azokar reaches on what was ruled a fielder's choice, fielded by Rowdy Telez, but there was a miscatch error on the play by Pablo Reyes, so everybody is safe in that situation, and it brings up Jerickson Profar. One-two offering, Eric Lauer deals, swinging fly ball, shallow right. This is trouble. Dropping for a base hit. One run is going to score, and the Padres have tied the game. Runners on at first and second now for Jake Cronenworth. Base hit to right, and the Padres are going to have the lead. The throw going to third, and in there is Profar. As Okar scores the second run for San Diego. Gives the Padres a 2-1 lead. Luke Voigt would add an RBI ground out to score Profar. Makes it 3-1. And the Padres in the fifth inning score three runs on three hits with one air. And they leave one on. So 3-1 is the score. And it would stay that way for quite some time. That would be the only blemish on the day for Eric Lauer uh, after uh, giving up uh, yeah, giving up those three runs, only one of which is earned. Brad Boxberger comes on to pitch in the seventh inning for the Brewers. And then Devin Williams pitches at the top of the eighth. So we go to the bottom of the eighth inning. 
first batter in the inning is Pablo Reyes. He gets a single against Nick Martinez, who is still pitching for the Padres, and the next hitter is Colton Wong. And here it is to Colton, swinging a rocket to right, deep, get up, get up, get out of here, and gone for Colton Wong. He just tied the game with his second home run in the game. Yeah, so that's a 3-3 game that ends the day for Nick Martinez as Robert Suarez comes on to pitch, and the Brewers continue to make some noise in the eighth inning. Here's the missed opportunity for this team. Tyrone Taylor then walks. It brings up Christian Yelich. Uh, he reaches on a fielder's choice where Taylor's out at second. So one-on-one -on -one out for Andrew McCutcheon, who gets a base hit. That puts runners on at first and second. After Rowdy Telez flies out, Keston here has a good at-bat. He ends up walking. It loads the bases in a 3-3 game. At that point, a new pitcher for the Padres, that would be Tim Hill. He comes on to face off against Jace Peterson. 1-2 delivery, here it is. Peterson, broken bat, little flare into shallow left, and Tim is there to make the catch. Well, he got out of it. Brewers leave them loaded in the eighth, but they do score two runs to tie it up at three runs apiece. Josh Hader comes on to pitch for the Brewers in the top of the ninth inning. He gets Austin Nola to line out. Trent Grisham then strikes out quickly, two outs, and it's Jose Azokar at the plate. One-two delivery. Check swing. Did he go? I think he did. Yeah. Alan Porter made that call at first base, but he went around. So it's still a 3-3 game, and we go to the bottom of the ninth inning. Victor Caratini leads the inning off with a base hit, and then a lot of people thought this was a bunting situation. Pablo Reyes does show bunt, but eventually uh, does not go with that. He instead lines out. So that's the first out of the inning. Runner Caratini still at first. Colton Wong then grounds into a fielder's choice where Caratini is out at second. One on, two outs, Tyrone Taylor at the plate. Got the leadoff man aboard with that base hit by Caratini, but he's worked through the next two. Reyes, check, swing, strike, three, and we are going to have extra innings here today. Indeed, we are. 3-3 going to the top of the 10th inning. New pitcher is Trevor Gott for the Brewers. The runner on its second is Jose Azoka. First batter is Jerickson Profar. He gets a base hit. Puts runners on at the corners for Jake Cronenworth. The 0-1. High drive out to deep right. McCutcheon onto the warning track at the wall. He runs out of room. It's gone for Cronenworth. Jake Cronenworth with a three-run home run, and the Padres take a 6-3 lead here in the 10th. Eric Hosmer doubles later in the inning, but that would be it in terms of run scoring. Three runs on the three-run home run, and the Padres take a 6-3 lead to the bottom of the 10th inning. New pitcher is Taylor Rogers. Tyrone Taylor starts the inning at second base. First batter is Christian Yelich. He grounds out. It does move Taylor to third, and it brings up Andrew McCutcheon. Rogers comes set. And the one-two pitch. Curve ball, and it's a fair ball. Hit down the right field line by McCutcheon. Taylor's going to score. McCutcheon will stop it first. And the Brewers push a run across here in the bottom of the 10th. It's 6-4. to four. Yeah, 6-4, and Rowdy Telez coming up to the plate. So you got a home run hitter coming up to the plate representing the tying run in the 10th inning. Here's the 1-1. Ground ball sharply hit to third. Machado to second for one, on to first in time. And the Padres are going to win in 10 innings here this afternoon. 6-4 the final with the win. The Padres 
go to 33 and 21. The Brewers, they drop to 33 and 23. Winning totals for San Diego, six runs, nine hits, no errors, and they leave eight for... Check that. Six runs, nine hits, no errors. They leave seven for the Brewers. Four runs, eight hits, one error. They leave eight. The winning pitcher is Timmy Hill. He's 1-0. The loss goes to Trevor Gott, 1-1. Rodgers, the save, is 18th. Home runs in the game. Jake Cronenworth is fifth for the Padres, while Colton Wong hits his fourth and fifth of the year for the Brewers. The game lasting three hours and 30 minutes, played in front of a crowd of 32,285 folks here at American Family Field. The Brewers lose. They lose the series to the Padres as well, and now they go into a much-needed off day before they open up a series against the Phillies on Tuesday. We'll preview that. We'll give you some scores from around baseball, and we'll call it a night. That's all coming up. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. 6-4, Brewers come up short. They lose to the Padres today here at American Family Field. End up losing 3-4 of four in the series against San Diego. This was also the rubber game of the season series. So the Padres, by taking these final three games of the series, end up winning. And uh, that could play out when it comes to tiebreakers in the postseason. So we'll just have to wait and see. Who knows? We might be talking about uh, this very game on June 5th when we're uh, coming up on uh, October. There is a possibility that that's going to be uh, part of the conversation going in. All right, let's look at scores from around baseball in the NL Central today. The Pirates blank the Diamondbacks by a 3-0 score. Zach Thompson went five scoreless innings, and then the bullpen was able to finish off the shutout, and the Reds lose at home to the Nationals 5-4. The Sunday night game tonight, Cardinals and Cubs, it is just underway. Top of the first inning, Justin Steele against Adam Wainwright is the pitching matchup in that one. Around the Brewers minor league system, low A Carolina. They lead in the ninth inning at Lynchburg by a 5-3 score. The Timber Rattlers, they win at home today over Peoria 5-1. That jumps their record to 31-20. and Double A Biloxi in action as we speak. Bottom of the sixth inning, they lead at Pensacola 6-2 and at Triple A Nashville in action playing at Durham. And right now, Durham has a 4-1 lead. Brewers are off tomorrow, a much, much needed off day, and come Tuesday, they'll open up a three-game series here at American Family Field against the Philadelphia Phillies. The expectation is that we'll see Willie Adamas, that we'll probably see Hunter Renfro, and we might see Luis Urias. There certainly is a uh, scenario and a possibility that all three of those players are going to be back for the Brewers and back in the lineup come Tuesday, and clearly, if that happens, that makes this team a very different team than uh, who they've been over the last few days. Uh, Willie Adamas seems to be the most sure thing of the three players that I just mentioned, but there's a good chance that uh, all three are going to be available come Tuesday. So that may be just what they need combined with the off day and some of their guys back. A note for you. The midweek games, now that school is out in the area, the Brewers have shifted the time of the midweek games. Midweek games will now start at 7-10 up until the end of the summer, right as school is ready to get back into session. So a 7-10 first pitch on Tuesday, the pitching matchup. Jason Alexander will make his second Major League appearance after he was pretty darn good in his first. Comes in with no record, still looking for his first Major League win. Solid 2.57 ERA. The Phillies, who just fired their manager, Joe Girardi, a couple days ago, uh, 
they are going to go with a left-hand pitcher, Ranger Suarez. He's 4-3 and three with a 4.69 ERA. 7-10 first pitch. That means network coverage at 635. Overall, our coverage will begin on Tuesday and just after 6 o'clock with Brewers warm-up, and then I'll be back with you after the game for Brewers extra innings. Once again, Brewers, they come up short today. They lose to the Padres. They lose, they lose the season series. We'll talk to you on Tuesday for more Brewers baseball.